Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Oh. I'm all man when it comes to the crust. Yeah. SpaghettiOs is a soup. Wow. I'm a man of many earth tones. Oh. I think Cheerios are still Who hot. Cheerios? Cheerios are hot, babe. Ooh. It's like an avocado. It's raw. The deuce. Arise up. Rise in the brain. Tell me you can't hear me. Oh, no, I can hear you all too well. Keep going. Where are we going with this? Rise up from the grave. Is this a soul classic for zombies? Did I go bald? <laughs> oh, my hair is just light right here. It looked bald for a second. I'm like, why do I have like a U shape? Like, what do they call it? Pattern baldness? Female pattern baldness. Oh, oh they my will goodness. Not be at Coachella this year. I see it now. It's weird, right? How can. Are you going to be offended if blonde. I... It's just blonde. See? It's all like... Oh, it is there. Okay. The important it's... thing is that it's there. It's there. It's just weird looking. They say it, they say it affects um, one in 100 women. Although it doesn't it seem... One in 100 and... It looked like a fucking... Oh, because she put blonde here. I see what she did. Damn. Mm. Making me look bald and shit. Whoa, you really look burly. Oh, it... oh the beard? This I had all of it. it. For some reason, you look thick. What happened? Thick? Yeah, you look thick. You got your butt, your your <laughs> your eyebrows are all thick. Why is your beard all thick? The the I have been known to trim my eyebrows. I wasn't the first person to trim my eyebrows. I the thought had never occurred to me. One time, I was getting my hair cut. Uh, I was still a young man um, in downtown New York, and the guy finished cutting my hair, and he's like, "You want me want me to do those eyebrows too?" Downtown <laughs> like, New York. Yeah, it was uh, Aster Aster Barber was a pretty legendary oh, yeah, place. Yeah, everybody knew you get your hair cut. That was like the fifty like, percent of men in Manhattan got their hair cut at that very Guido's. place. Yeah, and a hundred percent of that fifty percent were Italians. They went, we'll see, but they went there. But it was also incredibly homied out, and I homied wouldn't out, have, really. Yeah, and I believe so. And uh, there were it was two floors. There would maybe be. 30 people cutting hair at a time. It was a massive, massive operation. And I went to a prep school on the Upper East Side of Manhattan and everybody told me, you got to go. This is, you know, everybody knows this is where you get your hair cut. So preppy dudes were going there. Guidos were going there. It was, a, it was a melting pot. And I went there and a guy was like, you need to trim your eyebrows. And the thought never would have occurred no. to me that, um, cause I didn't realize I was, 19 i didn't realize i was already 67 in the brow area yeah some men are very your your brow age can really kick it over the line right so i have started i do when they get a little like when i have when, when, whenever something curls i go okay it's time to bring that yeah. whole thing in a little bit if it but looks like there's a creature coming out of your if you got you got a you caterpillar Ex exactly right 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 but now i'm in uncharted territory jmp why is that because I've never had a beard this long before in my whole life. That's what I'm saying. You you look like, uh, you look like you make your own mid-century modern furniture at home. I've been accused of looking like worse, and I and I love mid-century modern furniture. And 
It would frankly be more productive than what I've been doing professionally in my house for the last couple of weeks. So you know, I beg to differ. Mm. I beg to differ. Sure. The method in which you produce something and the actual product are completely different, mm. but don't downplay or diminish what you do. You know, some woman commented something on Twitter that's kind of pertaining to this. It was like, Tim Dillon saying something on Twitter and some a fan of his responding being like uh, I'm a big fan of yours Tim but do you really deserve to make $200,000 a month off of Patreon and then it, it made me think about his product you know because she's like saying like in comparison to frontline workers or whoever you know what have you whatever the career is putting value on how much he makes based off of what he produces and basically saying his product isn't worth that and in my mind it's like well according to who because worth is all about value and value is very um it's pretty subjective wouldn't you say sure if enough people decide that a beanie baby is worth if two people decide that a beanie baby is worth ten thousand dollars and each of them has ten grand or somewhere close to it then that's what a beanie baby is, is is worth that's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and what do those people get from that beanie baby? Joy. Hopefully nothing too creepy. Something to cry is... on. Something to keep between <laughs> their legs that nobody knows about. Oh, God. Something to cry on. You're going to need something bigger than a beanie baby. You need the whole freaking collection. I think that whatever some people are paying for, the worth is in however much it's accumulated at that point. And whether you're making a table or a podcast, mm-hmm. that end product is worth something to each of the people who are purchasing it and enjoying it and sitting in it or sitting in it and listening to it. The irony is, yeah, if, if somebody, if you make a couch, this is a great place for a person to sit and listen to a podcast. We should get into business together. You've got a lot of big business ideas. How is our airport? How's our, abor- our, 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 uh, abortion our abortion airlift? abortion clinic is going really well. What was our plan? Our plan was to fly women pay. from Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fly women from Texas. Don't mess with Texas. We'll be, um, .org. We're messing with Texas.org. I don't know if we created a .org yet. No, I don't think we've gotten to the GoDaddy phase of this operation yet. Well, GoDaddy and bring mommy to get the abortion .org. <laughs> We're clearly still in the early ideating phase here. We're spitballing. We're, we're figuring spitballing. it out. We are. We are storyboarding. <laughs> yeah. But I've never. I've never. This is the longest beard I've ever had in my entire life. I didn't want a beard. I still don't really want a beard. I just went too far to turn back. And I like it. Thanks. I. You know what I want to do? I'm. I am well overdue for a haircut. I want to go because I go to a a fancy dickhead douchey. The guys. When Donald Trump talked about locker room talk. And I'm like, yeah, I've been in, I, I've been in many, yeah, right, with Billy Bush, and I'm like, I've been in several locker rooms. You would be gross in almost every locker room that I've ever been in. I'm sure these this barber shop engages in locker room talk. They are fucking vile men. But don't we need a space? I feel like everyone needs a space where they can talk and be vile and live out their most animalistic instincts and desires. Otherwise, that goes somewhere and it boils up. I mean. Maybe there is something to these groups of people who just go and do weird shit together. <laughs> do you have such a place? Do women have such like what 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 do women have locker Target. room talk? 
Want to be a sponsor? <laughs> Clip it. <laughs> you're, I think... jo- you're jolly today. I'm happy to see you in such a mood. <laughs> Uh, I where, do think... we, where, do, where do women get it out? Because women do. I, I, I'm, I'm firmly convinced Crying. that women are more. Um, everyone accuses, assumes that you know, guys are the kiss and tell type. Oh, this girl, you should have seen. She fucking gave it up so easy, right. dude. This fucking sweet poon dang right there. Whoa, please don't, I don't say that. I've never known a guy. Guys who start to wander into that area, I think most other guys like look at each other across from like, oh, this guy's gross. Let's get away from this guy. And yet, I'm, un- I'm under the impression that women tell their female friends more about the intimate details of their say sex lives than most of the guys that I know. We do not talk about um, our sex lives. We send screenshots. Yeah. Like maybe you guys send us our closest friends have read and seen any, any dick pic you send out. There's a gaggle of gals who have gaggled over your junk. And probably not in the way you want them to, in a very, very embarrassing manner. Or they've gasped and awed, which is what you kind of want to go for. Just like a, you make a bitch clutch your pearls. Congratulations. Good on you. Mm-hmm. You got a thick dick, Rick. You've shared dick Everything. photos with friends? Oh, my God. Carly, mm-hmm. if Carly's, if if she were like ever interviewed or interrogated by fbi cia just for for the sake of this conversation just about me and just to get all my information it'd be it'd be everything because she knows literally everything about me and my sister too and my cousin Allie. we got big mouths girls tell girls everything they really do they really and it's funny because i think people are still walking through life assuming that the opposite is true like if a buddy back in the days when you might hook up with somebody that's kind of fair game i still don't remember anybody going oh man you should have seen she was fucking fucking like a roadkill down there i i really did not know that oh, guy Oh god poor. which woman. is what i think women think guys say but once you get into the phase where almost everyone that i know is in where you're in a long-term committed relationship people speak in um uh me and my buddy speak in like puritanical codes like you know things are pretty good in that area yeah it's it's that's as far as it goes that's as far as it goes i'm under the impression that my my wife is upstairs right now getting into graphic detail about our sex life on like a party line what did you just say repeat it because you cut out for me you're a what that i'm under the impression my wife is upstairs on a party line telling a bunch of strangers the intimate details of our sex life (laughs) she is that's how women heal that's how we bond (laughs) that is our superpower is conversating communicating and connecting that's what we do we're yeah. these you know these ethereal creatures who are capable of creating ethereal. human life yes uh-huh. we're ethereal God, i love God how bless. you can describe this phenomenon and behavior with the adjective ethereal you're welcome enjoy that fucking day whiskey you're drinking you fucking drunk what are you talking author. about i'm, I'm not a drinking weeks this is this cold brew is it oh, oh yeah. god fueled by bragging about your sobriety i'm so exhausted okay please don't tell me how sober you are because i've got a tequila and an edible that has to say fuck you (laughs) have you already been drinking because you seem like it oh (laughs) no (laughs) not yet i've had water i had a coffee earlier today I normally don't drink coffee, but I found a really cute place in Syracuse. Shout out to Skytop Coffee. Amazing, amazing coffee. But back to they your do point. Good things. Yeah. It's only natural that women divulge 
because we've been sort of coddled in that sense by society. We're encouraged to do that sort of thing. And you guys are encouraged to go out and kill shit and, you know, smash shit up and fight and all that. And I think we've kind of mastered those corners of our gender roles. But now that things are changing, we're starting to adapt a little bit differently. And men are learning they can cry and women are learning they can kick. And I think that's a beautiful crossover between the genders. I think it's a necessary crossover, especially if you want to evolve as a species and be able to survive whatever next big apocalyptic event is that's impending. What do you think it's going to be? Well, hold on a second. Tidal wave? Hold on. Um, No, I I have theories. I have theories about the collapse, but so all all of those sentences that you just strung together, that is your explanation for why women share dick pics with one another and men don't? You got to say it again. Sorry, you cut out. What is that? I don't know. Maybe your wife using the bandwidth upstairs on her iPad porno. You know, I apologize. I got I got a dedicated line down here and I plug it into my computer and my computer's like, What? I don't see nothing. What are you talking about? So I gotta go to that. I gotta I gotta go to the Apple store and figure that out. Um everything that you just said about the evolution of man and gender roles and et cetera, that to you is the justification for why women share nudes of their partners with their friends and men don't. Cause I would, I've never guys wait until guys, in my experience, when you were younger, uh, you would wait until you broke up and then you would show your buddy. Oh, see, that's your problem. Like we, we figure things out. We, we share so we can, can get advice from our girls like you know he sent us about how to make his dick bigger well yeah you can make someone's dick bigger but like shading makeup trimming no you leave them and you find somebody else with a bigger dick oh yeah that that works too you know that works too it's pretty simple math so um collapse civilizations yeah i mean there's a book the sixth extinction which Mm -hmm. is the extinction of the human race I'm wondering how. Mm-hmm. What do you think it's going to be? My are we going out like the dinosaurs, or are we going under? No, now my my guess is that this whole global interconnected civilization is this massive teetering um, Jenga. You've played Jenga, yeah? I love Jenga. And there's lots and lots of bricks that are already pulled out of the Jenga that we can't see because the structure is still holding and we're sitting on top of it and it's happening beneath our feet. Ooh, and, like one of, and one of like these it, days, I, I see what you're saying. Right. And one of these days, the, the wrong brick is going to come out. Something that we didn't even realize was all that important. Um, there'll be because a mass distracted with trivial bullshit well but no 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 no. i just mean like there will be a mass extinction of ladybugs that either we can't explain or we didn't know was a thing that was going to cause a mass extinction of ladybugs and it'll turn out that ladybugs were really incredible to the food cycle for blah 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 and now grain doesn't grow anymore and now everything goes to shit because of that i think it's just going to be this really weird um, maybe it'll be an obvious one that like the ocean, you know, that the reefs collapse, but I'm inclined to think it'll be something that none of us sees coming that, that, that we're, we're teetering on, on, on such a, uh, to mix metaphors, a, a precipice of shakiness and the wrong Jenga, the wrong Jenga, um, log brick is going to come out and the planet will no longer be able to sustain anywhere close to the number of people that we currently have. And then chaos will ensue. That's my theory. <laughs> I think it's a really uh, 
a spot on theory. It's almost like the last, the, the one little thread that's keeping the dress together. That's and right. It gets stuck on something and then it is just the whole thing unravels. Yeah. I think that's right. I think it's definitely happening. It feels like. It feels you're like real hung part- up. You're real hung up on this. I, I feel like I'm a, 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 a dark, cynical, anxious, worrying type, but you bring this up a lot. I feel like you're, you're way more <laughs> skeptical about human society to persist as uh, anything that any of us would care to be a part of for very much longer i i know i'm not i'm not even like i just like to pontificate about things uh-huh. that are phantasmical and even though it's probably the least phantasmical of the uh conversations you can have because it is uh something that could very well happen it is just an interesting thing to i think debate about or talk about sure. because it's the sort of thing you can't in my mind if it were something catastrophic and like immediate it, you can't really run away from it so you can't almost can't experience it because it just happens and then everything's done but the way you're describing it is much more macabre and terrifying <laughs> and it's it's a little bit more of a slow bleed out that i'm describing and then obviously the ripple effects of uh you know all the people who've been so many of the people who are preparing for the worst in society, whatever they think the worst might look, you know, be it a doomsday prepper or guys who are fully strapped because, you know, you're going to have to, you know, over my dead cold hands, whatever kind of thing. It's just always seemed to me as not one of those guys that those people are, I can't tell if they're afraid of that scenario going down or if they're secretly very excited. Like it would be the most exciting thing that ever happened to them. If they finally oh, had to confront sure excited. exactly. And I'm not, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe, maybe I would change my tune if, and when this go down, goes down, but I'm less scared of dying from starvation because grain was feeding, you know, grain feeds the cows. So it's, it's not just, Oh shit, I can't get pasta anymore. It's like the whole thing sinks. Um, I'm, I'm less afraid of that scenario than I am afraid of all of those guys unleashed and unhinged. Yeah. I guess that that um, the that guys makes who more sense. Go well, Mad Max. Yeah, I mean they're both painful, but one's a little bit more terrifying. One's a little bit and, more. And I, and I fucking hate those guys. That's the th- and I see them more and more, and I just see it encroaching in my life more and more. Like it used to have to be. Oh man, well, uh, you know, when I drove cross country years and years ago, man, you go out in the middle of nowhere, you see some real crazy people out there. Now it's like I go twenty five miles outside of my town, and I see people wearing t shirts that are like unthinkably dark and fascistic just fucking hanging out with their kids at target. And I'm not exaggerating about that at all. I just feel like the walls are closing in with people getting real apocalyptic. A lot of, <laughs> oh, a lot sure. of places it's, that it's used like to be pretty nerd, casual. It's a nerd's amusement park. The apocalypse is a total nerd amusement park. Yeah. And I think, I think we, we take existence so seriously. Like we take ourselves so seriously and we're such a self important species by nature mm-hmm. um i think when you look at just the broader picture of everything like stuff like that happening like some guy with a fucking apocalyptic shirt or even somebody with like a shirt that says something oh that shirt i'm offended by this <laughs> just the idea <laughs> that you go someplace and you're mad <laughs> because of someone's shirt <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard. Like, you know, just someone's fucking shirt saying something that offends you. It just, 
what's a, what's occurring in the world is so much more wild and magical that I feel like we need to focus on that and not our self-important egos being offended by like, oh, oh man, oh, look at that. that shirt really said something really cruel, man. Like even people on the other side of, of policy and things like, you know, like everything in Texas where women, you know, their right to have an abortion has been completely robbed of them. Like someone going there and wearing a shirt that says her body, her choice. And just someone being like, oh, this fucking guy it's, it's just a piece of cotton with shapes that form these things that we have appointed meaning to and the meaning is completely based on what we tell ourselves it's all just so ridiculous i feel like there's no way to win there really isn't know. so you just have to fucking play and have fun Can what you is read that, that? Okay, wait. God I'm so hung up. I'm so hung gave, up on this shirt. Okay, I'm so excited. God, God gave me necklaces. <laughs> no, God, okay, what's it say? It says, God gave his archangels weapons because okay. even the Almighty knew you don't fight evil with tolerance and understanding gorgeous fucking frame it and put it in the living room absolutely what is that a is that a the grim reaper who is that lucifer it's, it's, before it's he got an, exiled it's, from heaven it's it's an angel with a with a gun it's, is, that, uh, is that one of joe rogan's security? might as well be um uh, no i wouldn't even paint joe with that brush and that guy was um that guy was that was apple picking that guy wore that with his as family, it apple should picking. be do you understand the beauty of that do you understand no, how amazing that is don't. to do you understand how insane it is to see the beauty in that? You think this guy was doing it for the lols? No, he put that shirt on to fucking piss you off. His goal, he's not trying to start a book club. Mm -hmm. He's trying his identity is wrapped up in that ideology. Th th that shirt is who that guy thinks he is. Yeah, right. And it's disturbing to me that there's so many people who are tied up in the idea that there is some evil force that they need to take up arms against soon well it's to it's, them it's, there it, is there's it, right and see that see i consider that problematic personally but there's always going to be that and there always has been that just now in this world because of how we're connected and these fucking devices people's ideologies that's a guy's that's, that's a guy's shirt that i saw at apple picking you just wear a shirt that's just like Fucking only takes one to ruin the whole bunch. You know, like fucking wearing old guys rule t-shirt. We're fucking picking apples with five-year-olds here. Leave your fucking but I get I get what leave you're your saying. fucking fighting tolerance with weapons thing at home, bro. I get what you're saying, and I'm not saying I don't agree save, with you. Save it for Monday night football with the bros. I see both of your points, but I also mm -hmm. see the slippery slope on either side. That's why Which I always is, ride the fucking line. I always ride right down the middle with everything. What, 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 I don't understand. What would be the slippery slope of me saying, I don't think that's, I, I think that that's not generally a cool person that would choose to wear a shirt like that. And that's not an appropriate shirt to wear apple picking. I would say the slippery slope as like a spectrum of you being way on the other end of the spectrum in a very understandable and rightfully so position. And on the other side of the spectrum is, um, censorship and things starting to be controlled and what people can wear out in public then the world becomes a 
Catholic school in the sense that, well, we can't wear this shirt because it pisses off this group. And then we can't wear this shirt because it pisses them off. And that hat won't work for them. So why don't we just pick red and everybody go with it? That's the you're on the other side of that. Well, red, red's and, real problematic. You know that. Yeah. I mean, 7% of cars get into more accidents if they're red. So it is very problematic, especially because it's also the color of our moon sickness. I definitely. I, censorship and disapproval are not the same thing. I would, I would, I would honestly fight for that guy's, I would march outside of uh, a courthouse. If that guy asked me to, if somebody was telling him you cannot own or wear such a shirt, cause that's government censorship. And I don't believe in that. And I think that the only way free speech has any value is if we protect vile speech. So right. if, if you don't protect all speech, then you don't protect any speech. The point of it is saying is, is people's freedom to say nobody, nobody ever needed to be granted to say stuff that everybody else agreed with, you know, or that the government wanted you to say the point of it is to be able to say things that, that maybe other people don't agree with. Um, I'm just saying it's a scary world where so many people so casually fetishize gun violence against a whole section of the population. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think that that has always existed. It's just more prevalent now because we can see it more. I think, like I said, with this cell phone, social media, people feel more empowered and more encouraged to express their opinions because their identity is wrapped up in it. And most people have a very skewed identity because it's based off of a traumatic existence and they're coming out to the world from a place of wanting to appear a certain way instead of just being that way. They've lost their way to themselves because they've been castrated. And so they have to put out this image. So I do agree with what you're saying. All, all I think is that with, you know, this guy and his t-shirt in, in this, the sentence that he has on it, like the, whatever the meaning is, is I think always going to be there, even though it's, it hasn't been put on t-shirts traditionally. He's people like that have still thought what he's thought. I think the mm -hmm. one benefit we have from people fucking having these thoughts on t-shirts is now we can go, okay, now we can identify them. Like imagine if people wa walked around more often with sh shit on their shirt, but instead of it being like their shitty views, it could be the worst attributes of them. And then we can start to like really understand how to approach people. Like mine would be like, you know, anal retentive, um, a problem with focus and eclects broken things. So people will be like, oh, okay. I like what that shirt says. Cause I know so you're supposed to advertise like the, like, like those, uh, like a Ziggy cartoon advertising yes. your, your wounded like, inner child advertising your worst attributes. But I'm just saying like, this guy's always ex existed. His ideology has always existed. It just feels more prevalent now because now people can have these items that display what they think and have this um, emboldened attitude that they are entitled to it. Yeah. You know, I would, I, I, I would, I would, I would agree with you that these people have always existed. Um, I, I, I it, it does seem to me to be a objective truth that their numbers have grown. Maybe, or or Maybe. at least, or it's just the Bader Meinhof thing happening. Maybe once you start to notice it, then then you see it everywhere. Yeah, I think you know, there's a possibility that their numbers are growing. I mean, the human population is growing, so by that fact, yeah, their numbers are growing. But I don't think it's any more or less than what it always has been. I just think it's more identifiable now. And maybe, let's hope you're right. In 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 my hippie heart, I go. 
you know, if I were there with you and I saw that shirt, I'd just kind of be like, okay, interesting choice for apple picking, close to what you thought. And then my next thought would probably be, I wonder what happened to him. What happened to him? Who hurt you? That's my, my first thought when I feel a certain way about somebody is always who hurt you? Who, yeah, who I, put you in this place? Not I that you're not that thing. way. That's just what I would think about this guy in this strange. Yeah. And also, who made that shirt? Like, did you look up where you could buy that thing? From? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got all where? kinds of shit. I forget. I forget. It was just, that you was. Don't that was promote it. No, I honestly can't. Re- it was Alex like AlexJones.net. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it's a whole Patriot Freedom. You know, pro America. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, do you ever stop and think how many people do you know well that aren't coming from a place of almost fatal flawed damage? Because it's easier. Like how many in, people do I like? Do I ever think about how many people I know that aren't da- that aren't damaged? Yeah, like everybody's a little damaged, yeah, but where 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 like a prominent feature of their personality is uh, caused by <laughs> informed by that damage. It's a lot easier for me to count the people who don't who aren't damaged than yeah. it is for me to count the people who are for sure. I agree. I think I've gotten better at identifying. Not so much who's damaged and who's not, but who, uh, what people are telling themselves mm-hmm. because of how I, you can tell that by how they carry themselves, what they wear, how they talk. You can almost tell what their inner story is about themselves. And in that way, you have a better understanding of sort of how to approach them. You know, I think everybody functions from this place of whatever they think about themselves in here is going to be what they project out there. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, right. And that's whether, like- whether, whether, whether what their internal shit is, is just on full display or uh, literally or what their inner shit is, is causing them to project something totally different, which is usually just as obvious. Like, for exactly. example, I think this, last time we spoke talking about people who want to puff up and be all tough because they feel scared on the inside. So some people, exactly. some people, some people fear fear, uh, feel fear and they project fear. Some people feel fear and they project strength, but in such an obvious over the top way, that it's they're overcompensating for the fear. Right. And, yeah. and sometimes they're so torn up in their own emotional tornado, they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. And a lot of people will just have this one thing that like drives them nuts. Like, oh, I can't stand when men don't wash their dishes and it's like okay why can't you say when men don't wash like it makes me so mad when men don't wash their dishes and you think it's about the men not washing their dishes meanwhile it's about being with a man who doesn't provide because it goes back to the fact that your father was not around and that's where your self-worth started sorted was created and you think this is the type of man you deserve when you're trying to get your dad back so you're not really mad about the dishes but that's what you're putting out that's what you're expressing to the world but deep down inside there's this you know, trail back to the start of your monopoly game that you've created in your mind. That is your life. Yeah, I think that's so. Yeah, you can tell a lot about people from what makes them overreact. Yeah, you know, like I, I talked, I talked to my son about um, about phobias. You know, because I have um, I. I have like a not crippling, but a real like fear of heights. And he's got like really? a crazy. He's getting like a, yeah, I've told the story a million times. I got it a very specific way. And, and he, um, and he's like, he'll look at stuff and be like, sort of insane asshole would go up there. Like he's got it even worse than I do. And I, you know, 
a phobia is like, yeah, everybody is afraid of heights. Everybody looks down from the Empire Staple and goes, whoa, you know, that's that's normal. It's when you uh, go, I wouldn't even I don't even want to think about going up there because it would freak me out so bad that, well, now your your fear of the thing is far out of proportion to the actual danger posed by it. That's what a phobia is. Right. You know, everybody's fucking afraid of bees. Nobody wants to get stung by a swarm of bees. But if you can't go to the park, because what if there's a bee there? Now you have a phobia. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell me yeah, about yeah. Tell, tell me about Gene Wilder. What? How did you know? Where did you get that? Uh, I think it may have been the last time that we spoke that you said you had a Gene <gasps> oh, Wilder. Oh, we story. didn't. What, what were, yeah, we were talking about Gene Wilder. Why did we bring Gene up last time? Do you remember? You were talking about um, trying to get up on um, a Rick Springfield in an elevator. Oh. <laughs> That, that by the way mm-hmm. totally terrible recollection of what that story actually was like if you were in charge of writing the headline to this actual story of what happened with rick springfield mm-hmm. that would be total clickbait because that's just not even close to what happened you get in you do like a sort of triangle thing with your back to him you bend over and you're waving your butt around going listen <laughs> <laughs> you finally found a woman like that. <laughs> Jesse May's girl. Do, there you do, go. Do. I know. I'm looking for the. I mean, the name, the, the song in your name. It's so obvious. I can't quite make it work. That's why I'm just People doing used the to baseline. Sing that shit to me, even though I thought Jesse was Jesse was a friend, a good friend of mine. Wasn't Jesse another guy? Yeah, Jesse's a dude. He's kind he of wishes- a girl. I wish she was mine. Okay. <laughs> I want to tell her that I love her, but the point is probably moot. Who says moot in a song? Somebody, somebody who desperately needs a word that will rhyme with cute. Somebody. It reminds me of like yeah, Jesse's. Uh, Jesse's his bro. <laughs> Fiona Apple putting oblivion in a song. It's like who says oblivion? Um. What was the question? Oh, Gene Wilder. Did I say I was going <laughs> to tell you how I met Gene Wilder? I I didn't know you were like, oh, because you told me that. And then I told you my uh, um, Jerry O'Connell. Oh, we're in a new movie, so Kangaroo funny. Jack. It's yeah. very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I told you this story. I'm, I must have said it on Tullywood. <laughs> For sure. Maybe. Maybe. Well, look, give me, give me, get it, get it rolling. In. Um, I was living in Boston with my boyfriend at the time, right on Com Ave, down the street from Boston College. And he found out that Gene Wilder was speaking. He was on a book promotional tour um, and reading expert excerpts from his book at colleges and campuses. Jesse, like we that. should go. It's young Frankenstein. Is that my boyfriend? Yeah. No, he was going to work. He's like, hey, just so you know. He's I'm going to work. College. I'm going to work. He wasn't from Boston, you <laughs> asshole. It's <laughs> just a regular person. Stop doing that. <laughs> I'm going to work. You go to Gene Wilder. Woik? I'm going to Woik? Pick up some Sam Adams on the way home. We'll watch the songs. <laughs> so stupid. Such a bad accent. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> what are we doing this weekend let's go to pawn <laughs> i want it to end <laughs> so bad 
Um, <laughs> so you have a visit a lighthouse. <laughs> I'm tapped on Boston. God bless my mom. Gotta try my mom's beans. <laughs> It's so bad. <laughs> I lived in Boston for like four years. No one, right. not one, didn't I, one person. I'm glad I can make you feel at home all over again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so after he told me that Gene Wilder was at BC, was I hopped on the train. This is about noon yeah. or one. Hopped on the train, went to the school. It was in their um, TS. TSA building, whatever, I don't know, their student, the student performance arts building, whatever you want to call it. And um, there was like a box office and I went over and I was talking to this girl and I was like, hey, I want to get tickets for tonight. Just me. She's like, do you go to school here? And I was like, no. She's like, well, this is a student only event uh, except for like VIPs and stuff. And I was like, oh, really? And then I just was like kind of trying to swindle my way in and being like, well, what about this? And then I'm like, then we just chatted for a little bit and I made her laugh and we just fucked around talking and stuff. And I was like, well, thanks for trying anyways. And so I went home and I got ready to go back because I knew I was going to get in somehow. And, um, on my way, I, my plan that I was conjuring in my head was, <laughs> this is so terrible <laughs> and it makes me look really bad, but I also was very young and meeting literally my childhood hero. There's nothing that was going to get in the way of that. Um, so the idea I conjured in my mind to get through without having a ticket was I was going to pretend I was deaf and I was going to say that my speech pathologist was on the inside of, with the tickets. So I was do, do planning you remember, my deaf speech. Okay. Do you remember how you arrived at this moronic plan? Had you, did you consider other, uh, impediments or disabilities before you settled on deafness um i'm really offended at the fact that you thought that i arrived at this plan and it wasn't divine intervention oh, how really? do you know the plan wasn't bestowed upon me for some greater purpose was it your huh? boyfriend tell him you're deaf <laughs> <laughs> act like you're stupid like you can't hear nothing you go see g <laughs> afterwards you want to go to bovas <laughs> stop I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> I don't know why I came with that idea because I was thinking like, how can I, how can I connect? <laughs> and then I thought, what if I was? <laughs> they just feel bad. <laughs> so did you like go to Kinkos and print up little cards or something? No, I practice my deaf. In my oh head. my god, no. I was ah, afraid you were gonna say that. Don't judge me, okay? I was, you know, you wanna do you wanna do a date between my Boston <laughs> guy and your deaf girl? I'm dying. No, I don't. <laughs> I get to the performance art center and there's a line of people to get in. There's a person with a clipboard and a headset. I'm like, okay, this is very official. And there was like security guys and it was all students and teachers, obviously. So, and I get up and I abandoned my idea uh, for obvious reasons. Did you ever practice doing a, I'm a, I can't hear myself talk voice. Yes. Of, I told Honestly? you I did the whole, 
the, and, uh, the whole I was like uh, my my name is Jasmine. oh my oh boy <laughs> I, whole... I but that's not that's not the standard people have different variations of that based off of you know if they were congenitally deaf or if they incurred some accidents you know yeah, the whole right. voice thing's a different thing so mm-hmm. I, I was just spitballing okay in my mind I'm not a I haven't grown up with deaf people, so I didn't really have a real good example. It was a totally, you know, just a, a guesstimate of what I might sound like had I been been deaf. I abandoned it. And the person with the clipboards like tickets. And I said, oh, the girl at the counter said I was good. And I j- it just came out of my mouth because I didn't know what to do. I panicked. Yeah. And at that exact time of me saying this, now the lobby was packed, filled with people everyone's clamoring to get inside the 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 box office is, has a line so as she says that and i go the girl at the box office says, said i was good i look over and we just happen to lock eyes and she recognizes me from before i was there and just waves and i wave and i go see and the lady lets me in nice and so, <laughs> it just was this perfect you know lineup of, of events this is the crazy part so i get inside and I sit down and it's like, you know, a packed auditorium, probably like a couple thousand people. And I'm sitting down and I'm all alone. There's no seats that are really available. You know, everyone's pretty much packed in there. And the guy, well, the, the not everyone's packed in there, but you could tell it was like sold out. So I sit down and the guy sitting next to me, he goes, you seem really excited. Like, what do you, what are you here for? You know, what, what brings you to see Gene Wilder? And I was like, I'm a huge fan. And I just grew up on him and I do stand up comedy now. So I'm I'm just here meeting a hero. And I said, Well, what do you do? And that is a true story. You cut out on me for the Of course I did. The kicker, which is the kicker is oh, did you just go deaf? <laughs> the kicker is he was a speech pathologist. Oh no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and so I told him my whole plan and what I planned on doing to get in there. And we just laughed our asses off. He was like, that's terrible. That's really terrible. I said, well, you are here though, aren't you? So is it terrible or was I supposed to be here? Yeah, I get that. That's what I tell myself. I I, um, got a college scholarship under false pretenses. Oh, for sure. Yeah. My, um, my it was just a little one. It was like $5,000 or something, which is a lot of money, of course, but coming from a bank going towards a college education is a drop in the bucket going to another drop in the bucket. We're just transferring drops from buckets. Doesn't APR. cover it. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is. Yeah, sure. Um, percentage rate on your, on your student loan. Yeah, I was lucky I didn't have... So um, I was going for like communications and I just didn't think that that was going to be a very good story to tell. My dad um, retired young because... Um, it's a long story, but AT&T had to clear house because they were a great big monopoly and they were too top heavy. So they like incentivized people to retire. My dad was like in his early 50s and he quote unquote retired. So he got a series of other jobs. And one of them was he he worked um, as a bank messenger for a, a, um, a bank chain in New Jersey. And he came home and said, you know, my company's giving away a, uh, a scholarship. You should write an essay and see if you can get one. And I did feel a little bit badly because I finished first and the person who finished second who got a smaller essay was an actual bank employee, a nice young lady who probably didn't lie. 
on her application, but I just didn't think the story of I'm going to go study media studies and maybe go do something in entertainment was going to get me anywhere. So I made it this whole concoction about how I was going to get into um, marine biology and how far <laughs> farming the ocean floor was how we were going to feed another couple billion people in the future. It sounded oh, pretty good. I God. Yeah, I took it almost. There's a book called Future Shock, which is, would be worth revisiting now um, in, in light of the conversation of we were having. to the apocalypse. Yeah, but this book is from, it might be from the 70s. I want to say the guy, he wrote two pretty big books that people who were into that sort of thing at the time were really into. His name's Alvin Toffler. And it was this big thing about here's all here's all the amazing, not that he was some naive hippie guy, but he definitely was like, you know, hey, um, technology and progress has without you know even acknowledging its drawbacks it's been good for humankind it's in, yeah. it's you know raised a lot of people out of poverty and increased our standard of living and um the, right. the, how All long the we live and he's like remember. it's it's going to it's going to keep coming and here's what we're here's some of the other shit that you can look forward to so i pretty much just took a bunch of shit from that and got a and lied and got a five thousand dollar college scholarship you know the rest of um Call it. I didn't come out with the loans too, too bad because um, I had a, a lawsuit settlement from having been shot in the eye with a paintball when I was a kid. From wh what? Who shot you in the... So I went to... Paintball was kind of like a hot new thing at that point. It was the very early 90s. And my friend asked me if I wanted to go um, paintballing in some like warehouse in Hackensack, New Jersey. And so I wasn't really all that into it, but I was like, yeah, sure. If that's what you guys are doing, I'll come along. And we paid our money and we went in and it was just real, real, real shoddy all around. Like the, the goggles were straight up like high school lab goggles. And we all, <laughs> Those we all plastic. had, yeah, we all had to sign waivers that we were 18 and I was far from the youngest person there. And I was 14. Like there were kids running around there. And uh, they just kept, they kept fogging up and they kept fogging up. And I'd go to them in between rounds and be like, I can't see. This sucks. This is not fun. I can't see. And they remember they were like using Windex to try to clean out the inside of it. And you'd go back in and it would still fog up. So towards the end, I think we were all kind of like just pulling them up a little bit just so you could see. Right. And, you know, and I got like the miracle shot that I, had, I, I, I believe I was written about in like ophthalmology journals because it's insanely rare for a 15 year old to get cataracts, but I, I had, they're called traumatic cat. I had like two or three surgeries on my eyes when on my left eye, when I was a kid, cause I had, I had you cataracts guys sued the place. Uh, yeah. To cover the, the medical expenses. Yeah. Heck and yeah. Some, and did yeah. you win? It never went to, I did a deposition. It never went to trial. I forget how many, I mean, I was obviously a pawn in all of this grownups were just telling me what was going on. And, um, I want to say they sued for like a hundred and fifty and got like eighty, and then there's lawyers' fees involved. So I and don't know how much. And then they never fixed your eyes, and you just you dealt. You just thought you developed cataracts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've been, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been partially blind. Every I actually, my, my eyesight's really not that bad. All things, I don't even wear glasses, even though I, I probably should as of now. But yeah, when I finally went to college, most of the money, I mean, all of the money all of the money went to college plus the marine biology lie money and i still owed money. <laughs> i still owed money after that it just wasn't nearly as much as it would have been you know it's so crazy what can happen to us like just these freak accidents that can happen yeah. oh baby it's, like it's a wild final world. destination yeah yeah Freaks it's me a out. miracle it's a miracle I, I, i'm i'm more amazed at all the things that don't go wrong you know yeah it's like, true so many things i mean just us being born that probability it, is insane it's freaky yeah well, and every every parent has moments, sometimes big, sometimes small, with your kid, where you're like, 
that right there. That was, you know, you talk about like exposure, you know, like, let's just say there are people are shooting a bunch of bullets around outside of your house and you're not going to get shot if you're inside your house and you're not going to get shot if you get to the house across the street. But if you're going to run from one to the other, you'll probably make it. But that's right. exposure. You're exposed yep. that like just the number of times that you're with a kid and you're walking down a street and you're not actually clutching them in your arms and all of a sudden they're like oh fuck what's that fucking leaf in the street and you're a half second late and grabbing them and there's no car coming down the street so it's nothing you forget about it within 15 seconds but that moment of time was exposure that moment of time could have been every parent's worst nightmare yeah it is wild how many and, of those and the vast majority the vast majority of those you, you do get away with you know yeah it is and from that standpoint what you're saying is our life is filled with gifts yeah. Oh, I believe that. Oh, shit. You know what I said the other day that I was really proud of myself? Live, laugh, love. No, but close. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's so funny. I gotta it's, wine it's wine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Wait, I got to show you this. We're doing a real, this is for you, Patreons. This is a real insider look. Okay, we're in the guest room. Oh, is, okay. that, is that on the wall behind you? <laughs> live laugh yeah laughter right. the three l's baby what else is there <laughs> no but the one that i figured out oh now i'm stuck in the fucking bathroom sorry everybody the one i figured out was life is either the lessons or blessings mm -hmm. oh wow that's good Isn't i that like that one? i like that one too and that's you know that's how you can look at all this shit these freak accidents so. that can happen and even there's been a lot of reports of people who've experienced these accidents and come out on the other side. Um, oh, that they, they say that the whatever they experienced changed their life for the good, even though that they mm -hmm. suffered or whatever. And of, of course, there's not to be um, oblivious here. There's obviously experiences that that doesn't, you know, cer doesn't certain horrible work. Not everything happens for a reason. I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think things happen and then you can find the reason yourself. But the, occasionally that, there are things that can happen that are just so bad that it's like there is no. Terrible. And people don't what, fucking what, recover. Yeah. Whatever teachable moment in there is yeah. a fucking insulting uh, small amount compared to the horribleness of this. Right. But for yeah. the most part, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I totally, and I think that, yeah, the bad time very, it's funny how often the bad times uh, become the good times in our memory, you know? Yeah. It, like I'll I, give you, this, this is not, is not a great example you know there's the whole tragedy plus time equals comedy and um whatever was scary or or you know like maybe oh i hated that job but i liked my friends there it's like well you can still remember having fun with your friends you can't remember just how grinding and shitty or demeaning the work might have been but um the example that we're using around the house nowadays is uh when everything shut down uh, initially for some crazy reason, I think it was benevolence on the part of the owner of the Grove, Rick, whatever the hell's name is going to run for um, mayor of Los Angeles, I believe. And I'm kind of pulling the, guy for who owns the Grove. That guy's a he's an insane. Uh, he, he's a really interesting guy. I didn't know Rick, whatever the fuck his name is. The whole thick place Dick is Rick. Yeah, thick Dick Google Rick. It? I'll Google it sure. while you continue your story. Was if I correct Am I me from wrong as a producer this. this week, though? I'll, I'll absolutely yeah well, you get two dumplings just email um, it put it in an email so it's official he i think was a retired police officer 
who then got into this second career of his, and he's this phenomenal Rick Caruso, Rick Caruso phenomenal real estate developer, and he's made the Grove and a, and a number of other things like it out here. And I heard he's he's oh, he's flirting with the idea of I mean, if you're a retired police officer who's also the most celebrated, successful, unhated real estate developer in Los Angeles, like fuck yeah, be our mayor. We could use some help, bro, for sure. Um, the the Grove never closed when things were shut down, and it was like nobody wow. knew about it. All the businesses were closed, but they could have easily closed off the you know the, the there's only like two or three pedestrian entrances to it. So the whole time things were shut down, we had this thing, this routine. It was the only thing about our lives that was anything like what life used to be. It was the only time we really got at, got out of the house and enjoyed ourselves that wasn't just going to another playground or another open field. And even those were closed for it a long the time. Grove? We would go to so the farmer's market and the Grove are attached. The farmer's market's been there for a hundred years. It's a bunch of food stands and grocery stands and that's attached to the Grove, which is the outdoor mall. It's pretty much a casino without a roof on it. It's a cool little spot. It's fun. It's cheesy as all fuck. It's LA to the mm -hmm. core, but it's fun. It's definitely fake where you snow, gotta go fake. if you're a tourist. Yeah, fake snow at Christmas. It's just it's just fun. It's adorable. Um, so we would go and we would get takeout food from the farmer's market side, and then we would walk over to the grove side. And there were times that we were the only people in the grove. And there's like this grass patch in the middle of it, and we would just sit there and have a picnic. And my, it got to the point where my son would bring Lego Star Wars spaceships. He'd bring two of them and we'd be running around the entire grove having a space battle with each other because we had the whole fucking place to ourselves. And just the other day we were there and it's crowded as fuck just the way it always was. And it's annoying. And you can't find a parking space. And he's like, I kind of miss when this place was a, a ghost town. I'm like, yeah, you knew at the time that it was going to be. The, the beautiful thing is because uh, I'm such like a keep time in a bottle kind of guys. I, I fucking insane videos of. You know, like we, I know you said all it. of them of, of <laughs> to me, we, we, uh, I have a lot of this stuff. It's really, really nice having that stuff. I had an uncle who passed uh, a couple years ago and he just had, um, a birthday and my sister sent me a video of one of his last birthdays where they were singing happy birthday to him and he was making silly mm -hmm. faces and making little jokes. And it's the first time I've, I know that you've obviously had this experience quite a bit in the last few years. I apologize for just um, blindsiding you and bringing it up, but like, it's the first person that I've lost that was, who was gone, but was alive in that era where it wasn't just like, maybe you had one camcorder clip of them. Yeah. Like they were, they were comfortable being in front of a camera because everybody was filming shit all the time. So it's like the first dead person that I've seen really mm -hmm. being themselves on yeah. camera. And I was like, you know what? That's doesn't bring them back, but oh my God, it is so much better than nothing. It is better than nothing. It's so just, it's, much better. I'm reminded of what it was awesome. like to actually, what they were actually like and what it was like to be around them. And that's something that yes. snapshots could never capture. Our brain doesn't have the capacity to take the snapshots that cameras can right. capture. So it is nice that they fill in the spaces for our mind and our memory. You know, you look at photo albums and you're like, oh, I totally forgot about that day until looking at this photo. And it is nice to sort of freeze a moment in time that m your brain otherwise might not have captured for you. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, real quick in the time that remains to us, Will Smith. <laughs> Would you take notes last time? Yeah. I'm, I'm... Oh, You're uh, a note taker. Worth, I, 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 you should see, I'm an, I'm an obsessive. I know you, you're an avid journaler, but I, in my, in I my am. own right, I'm in my own right. I am an I'm, avid journaler. It's this one. I, I actually, I was working before we started recording and 
This is my most. Uh oh, she's writing in big letters. Well, this is a cover of the journal. Uh, this is. Oh, can I say? It was. You're only given a little spark of madness. You mustn't lose it. Robin Williams. That's very Robin Williams. He thinks to say. I love that quote. I have that quote framed in my house. Um, but this journal is probably the most um, important body of work that I have because it's me. It's all about me. And it's all about kind of breaking out of the past couple of years of being I just surrounded by grief and survival and trying to make some sort of semblance of a normal life through losing two of the most important people in my life has culminated to this journal the, the you know this how many pages are in here like fucking i don't know 150 um it's just a combination of everything <laughs> that i've sort of have learned up to this point and can implement into the next stage of my life but will smith so <laughs> wait real, real quick before, before you tell yeah. me that what do you so is would you say your journaling is more about um, chronicling the uh, events, things that have happened that you want to remember or ruminate on, or is it more about sifting through your feelings and attitudes? It's not necessarily, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like um, a crime scene detective. It's like, you know, wore pants today, ate cheese yeah. at 12. It's not that. Have style. you read my, have you read my journal? <laughs> is that January Diary. 12th? Dear diary, it happened again. The cheese. <laughs> the cheese stood alone, and so did I. <laughs> um, it's is the cheese eating me, or am I eating the cheese? <laughs> <laughs> it started off with what I learned from that Tony Robbins weekend, and then it sort of uh -huh. evolved into like what my where I journaled because I'm anal retentive and I didn't want to leave an open open book. Um, yeah. But I would write down things I was grateful for, a few things I was grateful for, a few things I wanted to see happen, and you know, starting my day that way. It's amazing when you start to do something like that, where you're like journaling about shit that you're grateful for in the beginning of the day, because it sort of scrubs your brain from choosing a more depressed conversation in your mind. Oh, Something I that's a little bit more defeatist. So it's it's like a combination of gratitude stuff and then also um, mantras, things to say to myself to sort of break the chain of what I've been telling myself, who I am and how I occur in the world. I, you know, do like little mini mantras, which I probably well, could have cool. used before I met Will Smith. How you like that segue? <laughs> well, no, I want to know, I, I, like what, so, so do you review, do you write stuff and then read it back like the next day? I will start doing that with this one because it was such a transformative year for me. I will go back because this journal I think represents my real growth and the evolution of how I've, what I've been telling myself who I am and me actually becoming who I actually am. So mm -hmm. that this one I'll be re referencing a lot more than any other previous journal, but I would go back and read them. Cause I always wonder what I'm going to do with mine. I, I, I finally started. And the thing that changed it for me was the fact that it's simply the fact that you can dictate to your, phone because oh, i yeah. never had i never had the patience or really the time to write stuff out but i can just be in my car and i can go oh, here's the you know stuff i wanted to record kids did silly stuff here's what i'm thinking about whatever yeah but i i, I don't know what the I, I don't go back and i don't go back and read it 
that would be insane i'm not like reading me. it like it's a you know warm piece well i just wonder what my what i i don't have it i don't have it no 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 like what's my what's my plan here i don't I, the the benefit for me is again it's that keeping time in a bottle thing that there's times where i'm like what the hell was i doing when i was like 24 years old and i don't i don't have any way of answering that i actually really liked on the random occasions when people are like why were we blah 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 when did that happen again and i'm like well let me look it up i wrote it down you know um I guess I think that there's going to come some point in the real distant future, like on golden pond years where I'm just going to sit there and like review and survey what it all was. And Oh yeah, I remember that. And Oh, that one there though, that was a bad time. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the game plan is. And I, and I, I was, I was wondering today, do I, cause there's only really two options for this. One is that it just dies with me which seems kind of odd. I think I would prefer to leave it for my kids in case they ever wanted to see, because a lot of my, the story of my life is the story of their life, you know? Right. But then like, do I have a responsibility to go through at some point and make an edited version that doesn't get into any of the personal or even like sexual stuff with my wife? Not that there's anything like graphic about that, but if you're a kid reading your dad's diary, you don't want a fucking hint of a whiff of anything like that ever going on, you know? Well, you say that, but you know, maybe when your kid's older and you're gone, do you think take that you, you, over you, not you, having nothing? You think is that how you over feel? Nothing, and not me personally, but maybe if that, you discovered just, a sex tape, if you discovered an, an existing oh, sex tape okay, that your stop. parents made in '88, oh. well, there you go. Okay, well, I'm there, there you go. Day. Yeah, we'll talk about Will Smith next time. <laughs> Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.